afternoon. Chuck Morse here, live on Facebook, uh, archived on YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, and, and other sites. You're welcome to join the program if you're listening or watching live here at Facebook. Simply by clicking on the code next to what you're watching, you will appear through your webcam on the show. So you're welcome to join me for basically an open lines discussion. However, I do want to discuss, obviously, the issue in the news right now. It's a very depressing issue, but it's one that obviously we must we must talk about. It's uh, the most important social issue facing us today, and that is school shootings. We all know what happened in Florida. It was brutal. It's horrifying. It's depressing. And uh, the, the two responses to it, one on the left and one on the right, they both have some merit. But they both, or at least on the left, it's being done in a demagogic style. Now, on the left, the response to the school shooting in Florida is to call for the banning of semi-automatic guns, the AR-15s and, and other you know, powerful rifle, rifles that have um, semi-automatic capabilities. Of course, automatic weapons were already banned in the 1930s, and I think that we could have them banned constitutionally, but I don't think that that's the, the answer. Um, I think it's simplistic to simply ban them, and it does result in a great deal of concern on the part of uh, the Second Amendment supporters, gun owners, the rest of us who support the Constitution, that such a ban could lead us defenseless um, and could lead to the next a next step, possibly, which might be the development of a national police force, something that Barack Obama spoke about during his campaign in 2008 in a speech he delivered in Colorado. And that would be the end of American freedom. So there were genuine concerns about that. However, I would suggest that these guns should be heavily regulated. Now, maybe uh, conservatives aren't going to like my saying this. Um, I'm not a purist when it comes to this subject, but I do not think that young people should have access to those kind of guns. I don't think that certainly this kid who shot the high school in Florida, he should never have been able to have bought a gun like that at all. Frankly, he shouldn't have been able to buy any guns, but given the fact that he was an adult, it was apparently legal for him to do so, and that is wrong. I think that there should be regulations that would raise the age for those kinds of guns. Maybe, I mean, Dianne Feinstein has suggested in Congress that it be raised to 21. I agree with that. I actually think it should be older than that. I think it should be 25. And um, I think more than a background check, a person should have three references that would be checked out, and they should be interviewed. And there are other safety measures that should be taken before a gun like that is sold. I just think that those sorts of guns, which are military-grade weapons, <clears throat> while they, they have to be available based, on, I believe, on the Second Amendment, and for a lot of very practical reasons, they should be restricted. 
if there's some one thing we can learn from this disaster, it's that. And maybe call me liberal. I don't know. Call me whatever you want. That's my position on it. Now, the conservative position is also valid, which is that the problem is that our high schools and our schools are not being properly protected by people who have guns legitimately and who are trained to use them and who could carry them in a concealed manner so it's not a problem. And that could include teachers. Um, I know of a student here in my home in Massachusetts who went to a Jewish day school. And believe me, this was after 9-11. They had a trained armed guard, a former Marine who had served in Iraq, who basically had a booth by the front door, who was, who was armed and his weapon was openly displayed. He wore it as a holster. And he would buzz people in. He would ask why you were coming. He might ask for ID. He uh, had two computer screens at his desk where he was looking at the building and areas around it, points of entry, and that all the doors on this school were secured. Um, he could see anyone even approaching the place and could set off an alarm very easily. Their uh, security there was the best that it could be. Now, should all schools have that kind of security? Ideally, yes. But short of that, I would think that we would expect our schools to undergo a security analysis and then to act accordingly in terms of bringing in um, hopefully an armed guard to welcome people into the school with all other points of entry locked. And... Um, you know, increased police presence and other measures to ensure the safety of the school. Now, it came to my attention that 17 states have laws that allow for teachers to carry a concealed weapon with permission from the local school board. In other words, the teacher would have to have been trained. They'd have to have credentials. They would have to have a background check. And there would be standards, but once the teacher passed those standards, they would be allowed to carry a concealed weapon. And I am very proud to say that my own state of Massachusetts is one of the states that permits this, apparently. You know, we think of Massachusetts as being kind of a liberal place, but believe me, this state is pretty good when it comes to these type of things. And I believe that all of the other New England states as well are numbered in these 17 states. Florida apparently is not. So in Florida, the school was essentially a gun-free zone, which means that anybody, any gunman could go on there knowing that there was no one there to stop them. That's a sad thing. It's a bizarre policy, actually. I mean, do we really want our students now to go back to school today? in a school where they are known to be a gun-free zone, that's like putting a sign around your neck saying, shoot me. I'm sorry. People may not like my saying that, but that to me seems to be a wrong-headed policy. I also think that we, we should bring back gun training for young people. 
bring encourage people to learn how to use weapons. Um, you know, this is something that probably starting in the 1960s, it took on a certain stigma. Oh, you know, you love guns. You're a gun, gun lover, you know. You're violent. Um, that has to go. Self-defense is a good, positive, normal, natural thing for a family, for a citizen, for a community to provide and to encourage. There is nothing wrong with that. It's good. We have to get over this left-wing, demented, utopian idea that we should not defend ourselves. We should let the state do it because we want to lead to a new kind of man that won't ever need these things anymore because no one's ever going to do violence. Well, I have news for you. People are going to do violence. We ought to take a lesson from the state of Israel. In the 1970s, a group of terrorists crossed the border into Israel from Lebanon, and they occupied a, a nursery school, uh, killing 50 children, okay, the Ma'alot incident. Since that time, in Israel, you have boobies and zadies, you have regular people basically standing guard at the school with guns, and they know how to use them. You know, most Israelis have military training. And in fact, I would suggest that these are perfect jobs for people who are retired military figures, people who did know how to use guns and, and have experience. They should volunteer or be paid to guard schools, you know, all across this country. We should allow teachers who are trained properly to carry concealed weapons and let everyone know that there are teachers on there. Just like we now let people know after 9-11 that there are sky marshals on board the airplanes with concealed weapons. We don't know who they are, but we know they're there and so don't the terrorists. These are common sense, normal things to do. You set up security to be commensurate to the threat. I mean, everyone watching this program right now, I can almost guarantee when you leave your house, you lock the door. When you leave your car in the garage or in the driveway, you lock the door. We take basic measures to secure our safety, our property, our families. When you walk down the street, you're aware of other people who are around you and you, you, you can you know, make a judgment and size them up on whether or not they may pose as a threat to you. That's normal. Animals understand this. It's a, it's a part of being alive. Plants understand this. The fact that we would be in some kind of a denial just shows how indoctrinated we've become by the left, which is advocates an unnatural and abnormal way of looking at life. So we have to take security seriously. You know, I was listening to the news before coming in to do the show. And, you know, there's news about young people, particularly the poor students who have been traumatized at that school in Florida. Now being used by the left to push for disarmament. You know, it's, it's a despicable thing to watch them exploiting young people. I hate to see young people being used like this for any issue, liberal or conservative, by the way, you know, because they're not old enough yet to really develop 
an opinion based on facts. It's still a, an innocent time. It's an emotional time. And to use that is so loathsome and so low. But given the fact that they are being used, I would ask them. Because they said that the school is going to be going back for limited classes next week, right, starting on Monday. I would ask them, how do you feel going into your class? Do you feel safe uh, knowing that there's no armed guard there? How do you feel about your school being in a no and a gun-free zone? Does that make you feel safe, right? Let's appeal to common sense here. Let's ask our young people to demand if they have to be involved in politics. And I wish they didn't, but it looks like the left is doing this. I was listening to MSNBC. They're playing tapes. It's disgusting. But if they are going to be, we need to ask them. What would it take for you to feel safe? Do you think that if we took every gun away from every citizen tomorrow, do you, would you feel safe going to school? I would suggest it would be quite the opposite, because you'd know that the criminals had the guns, and they would, you know, you'd be a sitting duck. There is nothing wrong. In fact, it is virtuous to take necessary steps to secure the safety of every single school that operates in this country. We can do it. And we can do it without spending a fortune. I know the left will say, oh, it's going to cost more money. I thought conservatives want to cut the cost of education. Yeah, well, what about it? You don't think a school board or a city council or a school district doesn't have the money to do this? I think they do. Now, maybe it might cost a little bit more. Fine. Let the people decide. But I think it could be done without any more cost. I'm only going to give one example of what I mean here. Um, and I know that I like to pick on the city of Newton, Massachusetts. It's a very wealthy community, admittedly. But Newton, there was an article in the uh, Newton tab a couple of years ago, written by Tom Mountain. He's a very good columnist. Where he pointed out that this, the, uh, the, Newton, the Newton superintendent of schools is paid more than the governor. And that there is over 10, I think it's about 12 or 14 people on the staff of the Newton School Department who are not teachers, who are getting paid in the six figures, that there's a union shop head who is paid in the six figures, who is not a teacher, and they throw in a house on top of it. Now, you're telling me that Newton can't afford to pay a security guard and do a security assessment and maybe put in some pretty standard security equipment to secure each school in that city? Maybe get rid of some of these hacks. I mean, please. All right. Enough said about that. I want to talk a little bit about what I see as some of the underlying causes of this disaster. We've talked about both the left and the right and their legitimate positions. On the left, it is a legitimate position to regulate semi-automatic weapons. They should not be in the hands of young people, period. I agree with them on that. But they should be made available only through, you know, high standards of, uh, of background checks and, and there should be age restrictions and the like. And I agree with the right on the fact that we need to uh, make sure that our schools are secured with armed guards, with teachers carrying concealed weapons, and that those teachers are known to the school boards and that there are other security measures taken. But what are the underlying causes? This is an epidemic, okay? 
this has been an epidemic really since Columbine, which happened, I think it was 19 years ago now, right? It was around, um, I think it was around 1998, Columbine happened, 1999. And it was a situation that didn't happen before. So we have to ask why. Why is this happening? And I think, by the way, the problem is bigger than we realize. Um, and we have to look at it scientifically. It's like when, when, when there's an airplane crash, right? The FAA, the Federal Aviation Authorities, take a look at what happened. Why did the airplane crash? They look at design problems. They look at age issues. They look at whether or not there was human error. Did some part malfunction? Was a mechanical problem? Whatnot. And they do a full assessment, and they try to understand what happened and if something can be improved, something can be fixed. This is how reforms are made so that we're safer. I mean, the Coconut Grove fire in Boston, 1943, right? Big club in Boston where something like, it's like over 100 people burned to death. In fact, I had a relative who burned to death in that fire. What happened? Well, they studied it, and they found out that the doors opened inward, so people were trapped. So after that, there was a new regulation that when you build a public facility, the doors have to open outward so people can get out if there's an emergency. Well, with that kind of logical approach, that kind of scientific approach, frankly, that kind of dispassionate approach free of politics, by that means we can start to understand what is going on with this epidemic of shootings in schools. And it's not because there were more guns in the street, because there were more guns in the street before. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when you could buy a gun over the counter at Woolworths in downtown Quincy, where I grew up. You can't do that now. Guns are not as available now. There's more guns out there, but you cannot get them as easily. And that's good. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that to say that there are more guns is simplistic. The, and is it a mental illness? The broad answer to that question is yes, but it is a mental disconnect that I would suggest is caused by societal forces and that those societal forces are inherent in our educational system. Um, it goes back to the father of progressive education, John Dewey, who replaced phonics with look-say reading, where young people would have to memorize words as if they were hieroglyphics. The result was illiteracy, dyslexia, ADD. There have been many studies done on this, including one by a Harvard professor. Her name escapes me right now. But you can look this up. My friend, the late Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld, wrote several books on this topic including NEA, Trojan Horse, and American Education, where he shows how the removal of systematic phonics as a means to learn how to read resulted not just in illiteracy and an increase in illiteracy, but in, in what resulted in all sorts of social issues. Sam, for example, pointed out, he did some studies where he showed that a very high percentage of people today in prison cannot read well either they're fully illiterate or they're very bad readers. They've, they don't have the ability to phonetically sound out words so they can read properly. 
And if a person can read properly, they can think clearly and they can develop on their own as an independent person. That is exactly what John Dewey and his so-called frontier thinkers at the turn of the last century, they wanted to stop because they were socialists. They wanted to create a human resource, a new kind of man that was not strongly individual, but was collectivized. And they were joined in the effort by the right back then, euphemistically, the big industrialists like the Rockefellers, who wanted to have a dumbed-down population that would punch a time clock and not give them too much trouble in their major industrial enterprises. So you could have four or 5,000 people show up to work and punch a time clock every day, and they were people who were not too able to think too much cognitively and on their own. They would become what what the uh, you know what what has become euphemistically called a quote human resource instead of a human being. So you have that, and you have the politicization of schools, the removal of concepts like God. I think that the uh, the Supreme Court decision that removed the uh, prayer from schools in 1962, I think that was a turning point. Um, there was nothing wrong with saying a simple secular prayer every morning where a student would stop and quietly reflect on what he's grateful, he or she is grateful for. We're grateful for God, for our country, for our parents, for our family, and for our teachers. Well, that was banned because of a lawsuit brought by Madeleine Murray O'Hare an atheist activist. And by the way, if a student was, you know, if the parents objected to this very generic prayer, then the student could be excused. And there was really no stigma to that. And there were always people like the Seventh-day Adventist could not do this because they can't take an oath, I guess, or something like that. But the fact is that they banned it. And, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember that. I mean, I remember... Actually, it was President Kennedy who recognized that this was a major social shift and that he was against it. And so you have the removal of prayer, the removal of this idea that we are we answer to a higher authority than just the state. You know, however that is, whether it's God or Allah or whatever you worship, you're worshiping a supernatural entity that exists outside of the manipulation of the state. That is one of the founding principles that's made this country what it is. You're a sovereign citizen under God, who is the ultimate sovereign. And the student was taught to think and operate and learn like a sovereign citizen, like a self-sufficient citizen who would then become self-sufficient and independent. I mean, that was the principle of this country, independence not just for the nation, but for the citizen. You would be independent to become, I don't know, like a head of a corporation, or you could become a beach bum. It didn't matter. The fact is, you were in control of your own destiny. That was a virtue. And that was replaced by the collectivists who wanted us to become, you know, um, you know subjects. The teacher was turned into a psychologist. Students would no longer look straight ahead at the teacher. They'd sit around in a circle. Everything would be done collectively. So the student would not be able to think and learn on their own and learn how to think cognitively. You had that replaced by behaviorism, which is like a cancer. And uh, 
the result has been social ills. Um, you know, look, I am just bringing this on the table. I, I hope that the listener and the viewer can develop their own thinking on, on, on what they think is going on with our young people. It's, it's bigger than that. I think that it's safe to say, and I don't know about this particular case in Florida, but it is safe to say that in every other case, or nine out of 10 cases, probably all of them, going back to Columbine, these kids have been on some kind of a psych drug, okay? And if you read, and that's new, because that wasn't the case before. These drugs were very rarely prescribed, and then they were prescribed under very uh, controlled situations. If you read the fine print of these drugs, Valium, whatever they are, you see it says in the fine print could lead to homicide, could lead to suicide, right? You know, you're on these things and then you go off these things and you have these fluctuations in mood. It could affect a young person's mind. You know, you want to talk about mental illness. Well, what about these in creating mental illness, right? A young person, somebody that's under the age of 21, their bodies are not fully developed yet. They, they, they can't handle these kinds of controlled substances yet. They don't have the physical maturity, let alone the emotional maturity to handle these things. Now, if you're in your 40s or 50s, okay, fine. You need to take an, an upper or a downer. Not a good state of affairs, but you know, you're, you're old enough, your, your body is fully developed, and you can handle it. But to put these young boys on these drugs. Look, at I have a relative. I'm, I don't want to name. It's a personal anecdote, but he's had a very hard life. He's had drug addictions. He's been in prison several times. He's a father of several children with three or four different women. I mean, it's, it's been a very, very uh, you know, difficult life. And I talked to him recently about this. He's been clean for a couple of years. He's, he's okay now. And I asked him what, what, what caused all this, and he said to me it was Ritalin, which his parents put him on when he was six years old to control his behavior, okay? Now, boys at that age can be very boisterous. I mean, I hate to think of the fact that it's probably true that if, I had, if Ritalin had been around when I was that age, my mother would have probably put me on it. But now it's given away like candy. They line up, and it's a gateway drug to more serious drugs it does something to the physiology. It does something to the mind. It does something to the emotion. And I can almost guarantee that this kid who murdered his fellow students was on some kind of a controlled substance. At least he had been. Maybe he was getting off it. We don't know. But ultimately, I would suggest that, because I want to wrap it up at this point, I brought up both the left and the right arguments, and I, as I said, they both have some validity in the proper context. But we have to take a look at the greatest spiritual questions in order to really take a look at society and take a look at what's happening to our young people. Take a look at the education modalities that are scrambling their brains. Take a look at the lack of spirituality and belief in a creator of the universe who is a lawgiver and who is they are answerable to as opposed to the state. We need to take a look at things as simple as their nutrition, 
You know, people are living in processed foods and McDonald's. That's not healthy. That could do something to the mind after a while. You know, I would think that we need to have a national examination of what, what we're putting into our food and other things. Anyways, I've said enough. I hope that the viewer can think, think their own ideas here and discuss them. And let's not get wrapped up in the political agendas, either of the left or the right. I don't like the fact that the left is out there using children as cannon fodder shamelessly to push their agenda of disarming America and moving us toward a totalitarian society. But I also don't like the right, and here, hearing a commentator, by the way, on Breitbart, say that the AR-47s, AR-15s are fun. Fun? Really? Do you think this guy had fun blowing up his fellow students? I don't think so. It's not my idea of fun. Yes, have them legal, but let's have them very, very restricted. Maybe call me liberal, call me whatever you want. These guns have to be carefully regulated. I'm sorry, but that's, that's my position on it. These are weapons of war. I'm not saying they should be banned outright. I'm not suggesting there aren't responsible people out there who have them, fine, for whatever reason. Although it's a hell of an idea and someone's fun. I would prefer they use them in a fire, at, a, at a firing range. But nevertheless, if they can prove that they're responsible citizens, that they're of age and they know how to use them, then it's their right to have them. But let's keep them out of the hands of young people and let's make sure they're properly regulated. Anyway, I want to thank you for watching, everyone. My books are available on Amazon. Chuck Morse, check them out. And uh, have a great day, everybody.